Thank you for listening to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. With open enrollment for healthcare closing on December 15th, we thought it was important to use our resources and have experts answer questions about enrolling for healthcare. Jen Rogers and our two guest experts, Sarah Collins, VP of Healthcare Coverage and Access at the Commonwealth Fund, and Elizabeth Benjamin of Healthcare for All New York, sit down to answer real questions from our audience. The following is a recording of that panel that was streamed live on Facebook. Only two weeks left before open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act closes on December 15th. I'm Jen Rogers here at Yahoo Finance. And as if you didn't have enough to do this holiday season, I know your to-do list is quite long. So is mine. There's even a shorter enrollment period this year. And millions out there still need to register. If you haven't already signed up, we are here to help you find the right plan, answering your questions live right now. We've got Sarah Collins from the Commonwealth Fund and Elizabeth Benjamin of Community Service Society of New York. Welcome. We need some help here. This is really confusing when you go and try and figure out what to do. And this year, I feel like it's more confusing than ever just with all the politics and all the headlines that we keep seeing. So we have questions that you guys out there have already emailed to us ahead of time, but it is not too late. You can still submit your questions right now in the Facebook comments. Uh, we have a whole team back in the control room. They are monitoring and combing through, hi guys, all <laughs> of your questions. So make them super tough so that Jeannie and her team can uh, figure out the best ones for us to answer out here. We're gonna do our job and try and answer everything in the next half hour. So let's get right to it, ladies. Barb asks, I've been using the marketplace for my insurance since its inception and every year have the same problem, calculating my income for the upcoming year. My income has varied wildly each year and continues to do so. What advice do you have for doing this? What happens if I overstate my expected income for 2018. Sarah, you're going to tackle this one. Help us out. Oh, this is this is tough for this is tough for people estimating what your what your income is going to be for the next for the next year, but you have to give it your best guess. And what you can do during the year if your income changes, you can actually call the marketplace and tell them that your income went up or it went down and they'll adjust your tax credit for each month. So that's a way of avoiding a big um, inc a big um, fine or payment at the end of the year. So is that what happens? Because I'm like, what is the worst case scenario if you just lowball it? If you lowball it, it's really not such a big deal because that means if you think your income is going to be lower than it is, then you'll get more tax credit during the year. And then when it trues up the following year, when you file your taxes, you may owe a little more to the government. But if the reverse is true and you highball it and you don't get a mon enough mon monthly financial assistance, then you actually get a windfall in, in terms of a greater refund from the federal government. So if you don't know is the best advice to go low or to go high? Like if you really have no idea. I think it depends if you really have a hard time paying your tax bill. Okay. Every year. So if you're if one of those people that's like really, trying to scrape it together. At yeah, the end. Then, then I would be more conservative. So it's sort of like you're saving up, using it as a savings program. But if you don't really have a problem, then you might want to not do that. 
Got and, it. And again, I think you can go and, and, and update your income information every month. There's no limit to how many times you can call the marketplace during the year to let them know that your income's changed. And that will, that will help protect you from a surprise at the end of the year. Got it. But that's then one more thing I have to do. Yes, one more <laughs> thing. Every month. Do. We find I'm people don't do that that often, to be <laughs> honest with to you. Do less in my life. But it's good to know that I can go back there and adjust if need be. Right. Another question. We've got Barry asking, I'm uninsured, and I heard the new tax bill might have changed the penalty that I would get if I go without coverage. Is this true? Help us out, because there are so many headlines out there, right. and it seems like, well, this bill said that, and then this bill said this, and I have no idea. Right, and we still don't have an idea, because the tax bill hasn't, in fact, been enacted yet, and it's in one House's bill, but not the other. And so I think it would, and I think Sarah would say it won't even, even if they do get rid of the penalty, it's just the fine that they're getting rid of. They're not getting rid of the requirement to actually have coverage, so there's still a legal requirement. But more importantly, I would say, why not go to the marketplace? This year, there are many people who are eligible for no premium plans. So, and in other cases, the actual premium for the year for many, many uninsured people will be lower than their possible penalty. So what's the, what's the harm of going and, and shopping around and seeing if you're eligible for financial assistance? So Sarah, what do you say to somebody that's uh, watching TV and sees everything that's happening in Washington, they read the paper, and they think, you know what, this whole um, ACA thing's gonna go away. Mm -hmm. So I don't really understand what the point is this year. Why should I be doing anything? Right, well, the only thing that would go away under the tax bill is the mandate penalty. So, and that would only start in 2019 if, if, they, if it stays in, in the bills, if it's passed by, by both houses of Congress. Um, so for 2018, nothing changes. So if you don't have health insurance, if you don't get covered by, the, by the December the 15th in most states, you'll probably be subject to the, to the penalty. So it really is important to go and shop and get, and get a health plan. Okay, I really want to underline that for everybody because there's been so much talk out there about what's happening in D.C., what's happening with the ACA, these two different plans out there, but nothing's changing in 2018. That's what you're saying. Like, it doesn't, this year, you need to go as if there's going to be a penalty. Right, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, okay? Even though it feels like we keep hearing that things are changing. We have it on good authority that nothing has changed. Uh, here we have a question from Amy asking, I'm unemployed. What is the cheapest, most basic, minimal amount I have to pay to keep from being devastated on my taxes? Who wants to take this one? Like, what is, I mean, you were saying some plans you're not going to have to pay anything. Right. I mean, so I think Jeannie really should, if she's unemployed and she doesn't have any other income in coming in besides unemployment, she could very well be eligible for Medicaid. So that's definitely free coverage, and it's a super, super good plan because there's no cost sharing, and it covers a lot of stuff. So I, if I were her, I would definitely check it out. Um, if she has some other income, for example, maybe her partner or spouse mm -hmm. has income and so they are over income for Medicaid, they, she still may be eligible for a bronze plan. She might be able to get onto her spouse's coverage. So one thing that I would really recommend and counsel Jeannie to do is go see a navigator. There are these people that you can go sit down with, go through your finances, discuss it, look at the different health plan options, and they can help you estimate what's the best you know, plan to enroll in for you and your family. Because another thing we've been hearing so much is that premiums are going up a lot. So I understand her question, you know, what's the least amount I can pay? Because I keep seeing and hearing that premiums are going up 
double digits. Right, but if she has no income, she's not going to be paying a premium. She's going to be eligible for Medicaid. So she should really, really check it out. Talk to a marketplace, you know, advisor or a navigator or go call the marketplace and talk to a, 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 somebody on the other side of the line. Or just go and try do doodling on the web. Do and, it yourself. And, and for other people, too, what people need to know is that if premiums did go up this year and they went up because of an action by the Trump administration in terms of how they're reimbursing insurance companies. So premiums went up quite a bit. Um, but most people get tax credits or help to pay their, pay their premiums. So most people aren't going to see those increases. And in fact, um, because of the way the premiums were adjusted this year to compensate um, insurance companies, Tax credits are actually higher, so some and some so some people may actually pay even in a gold plan may actually pay less than they did than they did last year. So it's a very different year, and you're hearing a lot about premium increases, but it actually might end up being a cheaper year for for a lot of people who are buying coverage on the marketplaces. Interesting, really important point. But you know what? You got to go look. Yeah, that's the thing. You shop, can't just shop, shop. <laughs> can't just sit back. And it is the season for shopping. Yeah. So there you go. Materialism reigns. Uh, the team in the back has been busy. Some questions are coming in. Here's one we got just a few seconds ago. Anne asks, "I am 22 years old, and I'm on my parents' insurance. Do I need to do anything right now?" Probably not, um, but it is always good to check on what your parents are doing. And your parent, if your parents have employer-based plans, they might they might their coverage through an employer. They might be signing up through the new for the through the open enrollment period for their employer. If they have a marketplace plan um, and you're on their marketplace plan, they may be shopping. Um, and it's you may want to remind your parents to about the open enrollment period and make sure that they um, renew their renew their policy this year. Are there any pitfalls here? Or things that could happen if you're if you're 22 like do you have to get on your parents to remind yes, them to I, do I, it yes or i think i would definitely the, will you be will they automatically renew? they may not and their employer may not so i would just double check with your mom and dad make sure that you're still on their plan and you're part of their their plans for the next year okay um, so check i would talk to dad. them first <laughs> i say that as a mother yes okay yeah do it nicely <laughs> but definitely check with them and see what's up we got another one coming in. This is from Reggie. He asks, can I just purchase dental insurance from the ACA marketplace? My current plan does not include it. I don't think so. I think you have to do a whole thing. Yeah, I think you're. That's not fair. You got it. So you can't just go pick. They have standalone dental plans, but usually you have to buy a marketplace plan and then add the dental on it. Um, I don't know of any state where that isn't true, but it's possible there's a state owned marketplace out there but I don't I think you really need to buy marketplace coverage and then you compare it with a dental plan but in many states there's off marketplace dental options that you can check okay. out the one thing I would caution people about dental coverage is it often doesn't pay um, so often you're spending more in premium than you're actually getting in coverage uh, and so it's and a lot of people are also very surprised that the dentists are not really it's not the most robust network of dentists that participate with your plan so those are you really need to look carefully a lot of people don't understand that the dentist dental coverage will only pay 50% and you have to pay right. the other 50% you are always surprised when you get the uh, the bill for if you have any major dental work done even if you have dental insurance how much it is yes I would say though having some insurance or just knowing 
what the negotiated rate that they pay mm -hmm. for um, somebody that has dental insurance is good That's to have. Shopping. That's very so wise So then you counsel. can really negotiate with a dentist because if they are offering a crown for seven fifty to somebody that has X insurance, even if you don't, sometimes if you ask. We, let you do that. we help consumers with medical debt all the time, mm -hmm. and providers were, are often willing to negotiate with mm -hmm. you. So I would really counsel people to always think about negotiating with their provider. And I told my mother-in-law to work a deal out with her uh -huh. dentist, and she did before she got on to Medicare. <laughs> Not just talking to your parents, but we're also talking to our mother-in-laws here. Everybody getting help. Denise, let's see if we can help you out. I've been told that if my son, who is 21, is not in college or submits his own taxes, he cannot be on my policy even though he lives in my home. How long can dependents stay on my plan? Sarah, can you help us unpack this? Yeah, so, in, so under the Affordable Care Act, if you get coverage through an employer and, you, and your employer offers you dependent coverage, they are your your son or, or daughter or child is allowed to stay on your plan until you're until they're twenty until they're twenty six. Even um, if they yes. file their own taxes yeah. and yes. aren't in college, that whole thing. That's right. Even if they're married, um, even if they have children. So it's it, it is there. It's very broad. The um, if you have a marketplace plan um, and you and your and your son um, is filing his own taxes, um, he can actually find out what he might be eligible for in terms of tax credits um, through the marketplaces. And he could apply that tax credit if he's eligible to your policy. So that is, that's another thing to, to check out. If you, if you have a plan through the marketplaces, you can certainly get a, a family policy and your son's income would quali potentially qualify him for tax credits to apply to your premium. So his tax credits would apply to your premium, but he would still stay on your plan? You would get a, a, family, a family, you could get a family, a family plan. So it depends on, it's not clear um, uh, where the plan is coming from, if, if it's from an employer or from the marketplace. Why would it be advantageous if you weren't at an employer and it were coming from the marketplace for somebody who's 21 and has income not to just get their own? And they can, you can get your own too. So he could, he could actually just, just apply for a marketplace plan himself um, and wouldn't have to be on, on your policy. But, but, but filing taxes um, doesn't disqualify you from being on your parents' policy. Okay. Does anything disqualify you or it's just age? Anything disqualify you from being on a parent's plan? Or just if your you employer doesn't offer dependent coverage, so they, they do need to offer dependent Got it. coverage. All right, so all kids out there, you're good until 27? 26, 26, but in some states it goes up to eight, like New York, 26. it goes up to age 29. 29. So check it out. All right, New York, you got a couple more years. <laughs> got a new question coming in from Angela. She asks, is there an office I can go to that will review my ACA application similar to the way the DMV takes care of cars? Elizabeth. Yes, um, there are these people called in-person assisters. They're um, often called navigators, and you can go on to covered, what is it covered? It is Get Covered Get America. Get Covered America. Type in your zip code, and they'll tell you where your closest in-person navigator is. But on top of that, you'd be surprised. Low-cost um, health clinics, hospitals often have in-person assisters. Health plans often have in-person assisters. And of course, you can call the Marketplace main 800 number. But I think the first thing to do, the people who are best trained, in my personal opinion, are the certified navigators. They've gone through intensive training. They're impartial. They don't work for a health insurance company. Um, they just work for you. And they'll give you free 
service and they'll go through your application. They'll walk you through, look, here's this, all these different plans. It can be very complicated. Yeah. In New York County alone, there's 97 different health plan options. Yeah. That's a lot to sort through on your own. So we're, you know, navigators are here to help you. It sounds too good to be true. Like how hard is it to get an appointment? It's not hard. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, that just seems like it's a really, it's no, just free uh, help, and I'm not going to have to no, wait have in a long, night, long night, line. Nighttime hours, weekend hours, you can call for appointments. Um, I know for, personally that the navigators in New York State still have appointments available really? for you. Because how do you guys see, see this open enrollment period going? It's shorter this year than it ever has been before. Uh, we're in, you know, six, the week six of this enrollment period out of eight weeks, and the enrollment numbers are much higher so far than we've expected, but I can still get a navigator appointment. I mean, are we not feeling like a huge crush at these I'm, places? I no. mean, I think there is, it's busy. It's not, I won't lie to you. It's busy and people are really confused and that makes like some of the appointments take a little longer because you really have to walk people yeah. through. And people are just downright scared. Um, you know, it hasn't been helpful to have the administration give such conflicting advice to people. And, you know, that's just really hard on consumers and we feel for them. Um, but navigators are out there. There's people answering phones. All the call centers have extra staff right now for this uh, crush period. All right, and we've got our staff in the back right now taking your questions here. We want to answer all of your open enrollment questions that you've got so that you can register before the deadline, which is fast approaching. Another question coming up, Sungjin. Can a non-U.S. citizen in the U.S. on a tourist visa without a green card or social security number, buy a policy, and just use a foreign passport as an ID. Obviously, there's no subsidy tax incentive, but can such a person simply purchase a policy on the exchange? Sarah. So probably not on the exchange. You have to be lawfully present um, in the United States um, in order to, to buy a plan in the marketplace and become eligible for, um, potentially eligible for tax, for tax credits. Um, um, but what might, he might be able to do um, is, is buy a plan off the exchange. So he could try, could try to try doing that. So buying a plan off the exchange, would you expect that that would be more expensive? Not any? necessarily, okay. um, and particularly this year when there's been such a difference, um, a change in the pricing. Um, so you might be very easy um, to find a, a plan that's that's relatively affordable. Um, it's just really important to look at what the details are for health plans if you're buying off the off the marketplace. Um, make sure that they are provide comprehensive coverage, um, ACA compliant um, coverage. Um, but there is um, there is that possibility for people who can't buy through the marketplaces to look. And so for people that uh, can't buy through the marketplace, could they use a navigator or is a navigator only for the marketplace? Because um, this seems like a complicated issue. So I'm thinking like, how do you get somebody help? Well, it, it is a complicated issue. So for example, if this person had low income and had a medical emergency, it's quite possible that they would qualify for emergency Medicaid. Or if um, they were pregnant, they might be able to get Medicaid for pregnant women. And so it, I really encourage people to go to an in-person assister or to go to a healthcare you know, center that caters to low-income people or immigrant populations and talk it through with somebody there. Got it. So you can do that even if you're not a citizen. You can go and get yeah. that help. Yes. Got it. Mikey has a question. I have a plan from last year. I still like it. Do I need to sign up again? I received my re-enrollment letter from my health insurance company pretty late in the game, and I'd like to skip having to go through the entire process if I can just keep my plan from last year. 
Elizabeth, you're going to answer this. I totally feel what Mikey is asking. That's what I want to do. You just want to let it ride. You're yeah. Like, that plan was fine. I don't understand why I have to do anything. Do so I? It would be prudent. I mean, if I was Mikey, I would actually probably go. I mean, if Mikey gets financial assistance or tax credits, it's really important to double check and make sure that his eligibility hasn't changed because the tax credits are going a lot farther and the plan may not know that his income has changed and they might, um, you know, apply his old tax credit amount instead of the new tax credit amount. So we definitely, it's a good idea to go to the exchange. Or at the very least, the other thing we've seen is sometimes the, ta the health insurance companies say they're going to roll over and then there's some kind of a glitch. And come January, February, I've had consumers call me and said, but my, I got the letter from the plan. They didn't, but they didn't enroll me because I didn't notice that I was supposed to have done something or the premium changed and I was on auto bill pay, and because I didn't put in the right change to the premium amount, they cut me off. And so it's really a good idea, at the very least, Mikey, call the plan, make sure that you know what your premium is for next year, that you're paying the right amount, and probably better yet, go back to the marketplace, talk to a navigator, make sure that you have the right tax credit. Sarah, if you uh, don't take this advice, if Mikey doesn't take it, what's the worst case scenario? What I would be most concerned about is that he might not get a tax credit. And so it's really important if you're getting a tax credit to go back and update your financial information. Because if your financial information is out of date and you didn't give the marketplace authority to, to um, look at your own personal income information when you first signed up, then they won't have any basis in which to extend your tax credit. So you could end up without, without a tax credit. So it is really important to go and update your information. There's a lot of stuff when you're first signing up that you agree to. Is that something that you recommend people agree to, to let them see your financial information? I think it would make it easier um, in cases like this, um, where, you, where, you just, where you just want to enroll in your, in your plan from last year and you don't want to update your information but even if you but even if you do give um, the federal government that that authority um, you still run the risk that your tax credit might not be adequate or it might overstate um, it might overstate your income so I think it's it's hard to it's hard to avoid going back to the marketplace and, and at least updating that information I keep trying Mikey I'm trying <laughs> to make it so that you don't have to do anything and that we could just check a box and that every year would work but Shot down again. <laughs> a question from Brian. I own a regional paper company with four full-time employees. I offer health care coverage through the Affordable Care Act to my full-time workers, but the increasing premiums are crippling my bottom line. Should I reduce my employees' hours to make them part-time and avoid the cost or offer that the employees can keep their coverage but have to contribute to the cost of their health care? Tough choices here. Those are tough choices, and those choices are being faced by, you know, small employers all over America right now. Um, I think the best thing to do is probably sit down and have a staff meeting, you know, and talk about the different choices that face um, the employees. If you don't want to completely rattle them, you might want to talk to a broker first and or someone who's an expert in small business, small business marketplace coverage um, because there might be, number one, on the marketplace, there might be new and better deals this year. So it's always worth taking a quick look at that. But also the brokers might be able to um, think about some creative solutions like health reimbursement arrangements or other pairings um, that might, uh, product pairings that might work for this group of employees. The other thing that he could do is consider not offering coverage 
in talking to his employees about not offering coverage entirely and having the employees go to the marketplace, but somehow, you know, compensating them in higher wages or whatnot to mm -hmm. get that coverage. So it's, it's complicated, but I think time for a staff meeting. Why? Maybe uh, have a little grog while you're having yeah, <laughs> a little staff know. meeting. <laughs> why? You guys were saying that the premiums weren't going up as much as we thought. So why would an employer, I guess, be faced with this? Is that because in the individual situation, there's all these the so different tax stuff? Why is it apples and oranges? It depends. I mean, so employers tend to be um, in a different risk pool. It's called, it, for small employers like that, it's a small group risk pool, which is different than the individual mark, market risk pool. Now, in the olden days, there were well, it still is in New York State, for example, there's a lot more employees in the small group marketplace than there are in the individual marketplace. Um, that could be different in other states. So it really depends on each state's different risk pools, um, but typically a small group risk pool would be relatively healthy because it's employed people, and employed people tend to be more healthy than individual market people. Got it. Um, One other wanna... no, I think layer that's... of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we just got a new question coming from June on Facebook, who asks, why was there such a large increase in the cost of insurance from year to year? So this is just what we were talking about, and, you know, June, I'd, I'd be interested to know if you've already signed up and if indeed you did see your premium go up because it does seem like that's happening to some people, right? That's right. Um, and because of the, of the um, refusal by the Trump administration or the decision um, by the administration not to reimburse insurers for these um, costs, what are called cost-sharing reduction payments that allow insurers to provide lower costs or lower deductible plans for enrollees, insurers had to adjust their premiums and increase their premiums significantly. But the way states managed it um, was to place most of that increase on silver plans um, in the marketplaces. Um, and so most people who are buying silver plans in the marketplaces have tax credits and they're, they're uh, covered by those tax. The increase is covered by the tax credit. So most people aren't seeing the big increase. But in some states, um, there were carriers were allowed to increase premiums across across the board. And so some people are seeing big increases in their premiums as a result. So this was a very unusual year. It was a year in which we were expected to see premiums actually increase at a much lower amount than they did last year. The marketplaces were stabilizing. But this decision by the administration really did throw a wrench um, into things and kind of upset the market marketplaces. But it's but they've adjusted um, and people are kind of getting protection. What states? I mean, can you say, when you say like, that, that some states are having this issue, I just want to, you know, help June. Like, is she in one of these states? Is there anything she can do? You know, I'm not actually sure. Um, I think the best thing to do, um, again, is to, is to talk to a navigator and find out um, that, that Elizabeth, Elizabeth mentioned. Um, sign, sign, look, look for someone who can help you. Look at, look at your options. If you're not eligible for a tax credit, um, you, could, you also may want to buy a plan off the marketplaces. Um, again, um, some of those plans are a little bit less expensive for people who aren't eligible for a subsidy. So for questions like this, um, where you're, you're kind of in a state where you're seeing big premium increases, it's really important to get help from a navigator, um, even, even an insurance broker, to help you um, sort through your options. Okay, we have five minutes to go. And you've got 10 days left until December 15th when uh, open enrollment ends in much of the country. Let's keep going with questions. Uh, this one actually is a great segue. Nicole asks, I signed up for a catastrophic bronze plan 
but I want to up my coverage to a better one, maybe a silver. Can I pick another one or is it too late? Who would I call or email? And the reason I like this is just based on the, the question that we got from June. If she's already done something and now you guys say, hey, go talk to a navigator, if you've, if you've already made a selection, are you out of luck to change anything? Absolutely not. Oh, good. You have until December 15th. And so for, for sure, everywhere in the country, at the very least till December 15th, and in some states, like New York, up till January 31st. But I would really recommend going to the marketplace because there's some really great deals out there. If she has financial assistance, she might be able to get a gold plan cheaper than a, a silver plan. So don't just, you know, don't just look at the silver choices. Check them all out. You know, is there a carrier that you particularly like with a network that your doctor participates in? Maybe sort by that instead of just by metal, what they call metal. Yeah, level. I find the metal stuff very confusing. I don't know why, because you're going through it and you're like, wait, is the bronze one better than the silver yeah, you one? Have Sometimes to think I can't Olympic figure it out because it has the copay <laughs> and the deductible. And I'm it's like, really what are we doing? It's really confusing. And some of the silver plans can have like as big of deductibles as a bronze plans because they're not a standardized silver plan. So it can be super, super confusing. So again, I would say go to a navigator or call the marketplace and talk to a, call, a customer service representative. They can really walk you through that. But the most important thing is don't just think low. Don't just go silver. You might in many, many counties in the country, gold plans are better deals than silver right now. And I, I also just want also um, for, for people who, whose incomes are somewhat lower, um, you're eligible if you buy a silver plan for these cost sharing reduction payments. So even though the administration isn't, isn't reimbursing insurers for these, insurers still have to offer these lower deductible, special lower deductible plans. So it's really important, again, just to look at what your deductible and your out-of-pocket um, cost responsibilities are going to be um, and across all plan options. But if you're um, eligible for tax credits, you might be eligible for these really low deductible plans. And, and just to you, remind people, yeah. a deductible is what you pay before sort of like your health insurance turns on. So not your premium, not that monthly payment, but you know, what you have to pay in medical expenses, not counting preventive care, mind you, that's that you get it's before the, the deductible. Number. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it could be like 2000 or $4,000 yeah. for some of these bronze plans, bronze plans. And that's what, like if you get a hospitalization, you can really be in trouble. And it is important to point out that if you've already made a decision and you have been listening to us here talking, you can go and make another decision. You can go get more help. It's not like one time and you're done, but right. you do have to not a one and done. by December 15th in most states. Another question, Cam asks, I am retiring at the end of this year and I am not yet eligible for Medicare. I have a monthly pension of $3,200 from my retirement package. If I sign up for ACA coverage in January 2018, how do I report my income? Is it 2017 tax income or my upcoming 2018 pension income in order to properly calculate if I would get any federal health benefits. Elizabeth. So it's your what you expect to get in 2018 and what your sort of monthly or annual income would be in 2018. Um, at this level, you know, I mean, it's worth doing a, an eligibility check on for tax credits, but it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, gonna be close. Yeah, it's gonna be close. <laughs> but yeah. it, you might, she might be eligible. But uh, yeah. to uh, it depends how many people are in the household and right. you know a bunch of other things. How much is you know deducted? You know how much? Yeah. So it's, it's it could be a little tricky. And to Sarah's point earlier, you know, you're not out of luck if you change your income throughout the year. You're trying to figure it out later, right? You could mm -hmm. go in and make adjustments to it in 2018. Right. Right. So, you know, do your best to it's next year's income. Do your best to figure it out. 
and it can always change right. Right. as well. And But don't forget, when it is time to sign up for Medicare, sign up for it because there can be a penalty if you wait and don't sign up on time. Ah, sign up on time for <laughs> Medicare. That's going to be our next live stream. We'll do it all on Medicare. Everyone, everyone wants to get into that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for another question from Facebook, this one is from Michael. He asks, with the threat of the new health care bill, is it even worth signing up when I could lose it just as fast? Sarah. Um, like I said earlier, nothing has changed yet. Um, everything is still everything is good for 2018. So it's really important to sign up for coverage. That coverage will last you the entire year. So there is there is no going back um, on that at this point. Um, the only thing that might change if the Senate tax bill or the if, if the con Congress passes a tax bill that includes a repeal of the individual mandate penalties is that starting in 2019 for people who don't have health insurance you wouldn't have to pay a penalty and that is the only thing that changes. Well, but remember the penalty might be more expensive than actually buying coverage so just you know check it out. But just to play a little devil's advocate we had June asking us a question saying that her premiums have gone up. So let's say June is young and healthy she lives in a state where her premiums have gone up double digits for you know some reason and she's like you know what this is going to go away anyhow. Like, I look at everything that's happening in Washington. Why, why should I bother doing this? I'll just save my money and uh, pay out of pocket. There's always a chance that something might happen to you during the year. You could get into a car accident. Um, you could have an accident on your bicycle. You could get really sick, and then you're out of luck. Um, so it's always important to look at what your options are in the, in the marketplaces and try to find a plan that will cover you. All right, you hear that, guys? Pay okay. no attention to all those people in Washington. Even an appendicitis can run you $30,000 a year. I mean, you know, so just be careful. <laughs> right, you never know. Yeah, appendicitis, I never think of that one. That but comes out of the blue. If you are uninsured during the year, again, remember, going back to that other point, you can negotiate with providers, and many hospitals are required to have hospital financial assistance program or charity care programs to work out deals with their patients. So... You know, don't go uninsured if you possibly can avoid it, but if you are, don't, you know, just say, just don't, don't go, you know, declare bankruptcy without trying to you know, work out a deal. We've got another question here before we wrap up. Martin asking, I may have a job opportunity in the spring that will offer health insurance. If the job works out, am I stuck with Obamacare until the next open enrollment period when I can opt out? Sarah. No, you're not. Um, so once your employer coverage um, kicks in, you would just have to notify the marketplace and your insurance carrier that you no longer need the plan and your policy will be terminated. So it's really important to go ahead and get signed up so you don't have a gap in your insurance. And when this coverage kicks in, you can you can terminate your plan. It's funny, through all of this, it feels like there is actually a lot of flexibility. Yeah. So in answering that question, it's like, all right, well, you change jobs, it changes. Uh, you change your income, it changes. So I think that people do have this fear that they're making these selections and that they're just kind of like bound by them with no options through the rest of the year in this really politically charged environment. We have no idea what's happening. Right. But that's kind of, even though that's my impression, what I feel like is that's a wrong impression. It's a wrong impression. There's yeah. often special enrollment periods if you have a child, if you move. You know, there's, all, there's lots of ways to work things out. All right. Well, that is all the time we have today. Thank you guys so much. I um, definitely learned a lot myself. I still need to get to the bottom of sil bronze, silver, and gold. <laughs> I find them to be... Don't forget platinum. Uh, platinum. Right? <laughs> Who knew? Which one? But yeah, when you go through them, it's still a little confusing, but... 
navigators, assisters. There are people out there besides Sarah and Elizabeth that are willing to help you sort through all of this. You don't have much time. Uh, most places you got just less than two weeks to enroll. So get to it, people. Look at that calendar. Wow, it's like a, a scary advent calendar <laughs> coming to an end there. But uh, don't be too scared because as Sarah and Elizabeth have shown you, it is manageable and there are a lot of people out there to help you go into the marketplace and take a look at the options out there. And you might be surprised. Uh, June was not too happy with her increases, but as you point out, there are plans out there where you're not gonna be paying anything. Right. Anything, which is pretty nice to hear right now. Sarah and Elizabeth, thanks again for taking the time to join us. Thank you guys so much for sending in your questions ahead of time and for talking with on us on Facebook right now. Again, don't wait until the last minute. The deadline is December 15th. We hope this has been helpful. Thanks again for listening to the Yahoo Finance podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to enroll in a healthcare plan.